This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 448. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. And I'm joined the, well this evening, actually, in the case of Matthew, in 15 minutes, I guess, technically, it almost, I guess, becomes, when do we call even, evening? When does it switch from afternoon to evening, technically? I don't know. I don't know if there's a technical. Yeah, I don't 6 know. 6 p.m.? Well, anyway, <laughs> a little bit late on this Friday, late afternoon, early evening, as we are kicking off this episode. Today, doing the industry news and gear reviews episode we do once a month covering the latest news from across the industry and sharing with you a couple of the latest products that we have been testing or trying out. So really excited to share some of those things with you today. Today's episode is sponsored, brought to you by the new Ready Up Gear Messenger Bag, available on concealedcarry.com. Uh, this laptop bag in the messenger bag style is designed to carry and protect those things that are most important to you, your laptop, tablet, other electronic or other uh, devices you might need to carry with you for work, school, or, or other things. But it also comes with your concealed carry considerations in mind as well. Now, while I am a big-time proponent of on-body carry as much as possible, sometimes in the case of a backup gun or in the case of certain situations where on-body just isn't as convenient or as possible as we would like it to be. Well, the, the new uh, Ready Up Gear Messenger bag comes with a pocket, a, a double-sided zipper pocket. So no matter which shoulder or which side of your body you carry this messenger bag on, you can quickly grab one of the zippers on the back side of the bag and unzip and have instant access to a concealed handgun in that pocket. So naturally, this, this pairs very nicely together with the Ready Up Gear bag holster, which is a simple little holster device that uh, will be, it's custom, it'll, it's, it's customizable to any handgun that you might carry in this pocket on your messenger bag. So check out the new Ready Up Gear messenger bag and bag holster Go to, for the messenger bag, go to concealedcarry.com forward slash messenger bag. And for the bag holster, go to concealedcarry.com forward slash bag holster. So, seems to make sense. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> Try to make it easy on you people. Yeah. Uh, we also have a special uh, announcement a little bit later in the episode. We'll, we'll chat about here in a little bit. Uh, actually, about a new podcast just launched and we're excited to be, well, uh, through a roundabout way, uh, associated with that, and so we will uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, without further ado, let's do the thing and let's get into the latest industry news. Yep, Matthew, what do we got? First up, a story from the National Shooting Sports Foundation, the NSSF. Uh, the title of the article is First Time Gun Buyers Grows to Nearly 5 Million in 2020. Yeah, crazy. Wow. So this story came out actually August 24. So uh, we're just at a month. Um, but um, so basically, you know, uh, Nick's checks and backgrounds checks, um, 
there there's a record of how many are done each month and it you know you can pair it um and you know this is obviously um not an indication of every single gun that's purchased but it's a good indicator of uh guns purchased and things like that um so some of these are um estimates based off of you know uh background checks that are run but um, yeah, so what you said, 5 million uh, Americans purchase a firearm for the first time in 2020, um, which is insane to think about. Um, it said uh, the NSSF surveyed firearm retailers, which reported that 40% of sales were conducted to purchasers who had never previously owned a firearm. So almost half of these purchases are brand new shooters. Um, and it goes in, the, the, the article goes in a little bit more in depth and talks about um, a lot of these gun purchasers, not only were they first time gun purchase uh, people that, you know, purchase a gun for the first time, but they were sort of uh, agnostic towards firearms to begin with. They weren't kind of like, well, I used to shoot as a kid, you know, but uh, I, I kind of, you know, never owned a firearm. These are people that are really almost brand new into shooting sports or shooting for defensive purposes or whatnot, gun owners in general. So um, really, really, um, you know, and I, and I think obviously the climate, right? We're in an election year. There's a lot of, uh, you know, uncertainty with, with that there's uncertainty with, um, seeing police, you know, withdraw their, their ability to, or, you know, uh, uh, ability or desire to go out and, um, you know, respond to calls, either they can't or through, you know, being, uh, not the, not the frontline guys, right. We're talking about higher up managerial type decisions to say, Hey, we're not going to, we're going to choose to uh, not respond to these calls or whatnot, but, you know, that concerns people. And so I think a lot of things, kind of the perfect storm is, is driving a lot of this, but um, huge numbers. Uh, this says retailers noted that they are seeing 95% increase in firearm sales and 139% increase in ammunition sales over the same period uh, from 2019. So obviously if you try to buy ammunition, you know, it's impossible, um, nearly yeah. impossible, but um, yeah, crazy. Crazy numbers. Yeah, it really is. And you know, see a comment here from Diego. He says, oh, hit the wrong button there, uh, that all those new gun buyers need to help convince their legislators about the importance of Second Amendment or help elect ones who do. Uh, Diego, I, I think, um, I mean, I, I don't try to be too preachy to what, you know, people sh should or should not do uh, in cases of, you know, who they, they choose or select for uh, their, their, uh, government, uh, representation. But, uh, I think that that's something that will kind of solve itself, right? That as people, more and more people, I mean, the good thing here is that more and more people are becoming gun owners. And along with that, I think a lot of those people are, are very much interested in personal defense, that being the primary motivator for them, uh, purchasing guns. And that naturally leads to more people wanting to carry concealed and that naturally leads to them be starting to wake up and be a little more aware of politicians' uh, stances on the Second Amendment, concealed carry, and so forth. So that's I think it's it, I think naturally we'll we'll see a little bit of a swing or a push with uh, you know in in those directions uh, politically speaking, and that's a good thing. So uh, we'll have to see you know how that actually does play out. Um, 
I'm, I'm actually curious if we see any, it's hard to probably get really good metrics on stuff like this. As we know, the polls are rarely accurate with the current presidential race uh, anyway, you know, but it would be interesting if we can pull any metrics, if there's any polling data uh, from voters, from actual voters in particular, and to see if there's any change in important issues to them, such as the Second Amendment uh, being more of a factor than it has been in the past. So I don't know. We'll see. Super excited, though, to see 5 million new first-time gun buyers in the year 2020. That is a huge, huge number. Very, very exciting. That, that, that just, yeah. I mean, as we've seen uh, for decades, uh, the, the percentage of Americans that have guns in the home decline, uh, at, particularly as we've become more urbanized, People have become, uh, you know, we have less and less farmers and ranchers and therefore typically hunters. That, that's a kind of a, those two things sort of go together a little bit more. Um, yeah, uh, it's really exciting to see that that percentage of gun owners in the country going up, that's a good thing. Yeah. And, and I w- I've been thinking about, you know, all the things that I wish I knew when I was, you know, first getting into defensive shooting or whatnot. And so, you know, it's pretty cool now that the people getting in now have P365 to choose from or a Glock, you know, 43, where, you know, it's not a you have so many op- opportunity to, to to purchase good concealed handguns if you can find them. Right. And in different yeah. holsters. And it, it just seems like there's a lot of a lot of good products. And hopefully uh, if you know somebody who's a new shooter, you kind of bring them along and, and help them uh, kind of. Uh, learn those things so because it's it can be pretty intimidating for for the first time yep yeah moving on to an article from americanrifleman.org geisley donates 250,000 masks for the 2021 shot show uh geisley of course uh, a company known particularly known for their triggers they make for like AR-15 rifles and well, also other rifles too. Uh, they also make some really great uh, AR rifles period and uppers and so forth uh, in other various parts. Uh, Geisley for years has been a, a, a big sponsor of, of SHOT Show do, doing various things and they're well known for being the booth you can stop by and get one of the cool lanyard holders <laughs> or uh, badge holders, you know, lanyard because uh, the ones that the SHOT Show people give you typically are pretty pretty lame and cheapo. <laughs> um, but they're donating a bunch of masks, 250,000 of them for SHOT Show. Uh, so that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, although it, it confirms what I've suspected, I mean, this would be no surprise to anyone. Uh, as far as we know, the, the latest information, in fact, we've seen invitations go out through email this week, uh, for, you know, registration and signing up for a shot show. Uh, and so, it seems that shot show is going forward this, this coming year, but, as I suspected, we're probably forced to wear masks the whole time, which sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I don't use that word lightly in this case. It really, truly does. I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised. I get it, I guess, uh, in that it, it's probably not even so much, uh, shot shows choice, uh, that, you know, if we want to have a show, whether it's Las Vegas or the state of Nevada or the casino, 
slash the Sands Convention Center uh, requiring it. It it is what it is. It's going to be a crappy long week. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I don't know how we're going to do interviews and stuff like that, right? Like stick a microphone up under the mask or what? I don't know. Right. Figure it out. Everything will be muffled. It's like, hey, tell me about this new gun we have here. Yes, this is a brand new Glock Generation 6. (laughs) What? What are you saying? Oh yeah, I'm not saying there's actually a Gen Six coming. By the way, guys. Yeah, you just spilled it. <laughs> there's not. Well, that I know of. <laughs> I would be really surprised by that. Uh, mostly because I think that the Gen Five is 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 the best Glock yet that they've they've made. So uh, perfection keeps getting more perfecter. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, if you tur- if you notice on that same page of this Geisley article, uh, there's a related article. Matthew says Otis Technology sponsors hand sanitizer for shot show so otis that makes you know like the gun cleaning kits and other various products uh apparently they're providing a bunch of little it says fifty two thousand five hundred bottles of hand sanitizer that we distributed during the show so apparently there's a big disconnect uh between the number of people (laughs) who need masks and the number of people who need hand sanitizer but you know that's okay yeah, the hand sanitizer will last longer. You'll find a bunch of masks on the ground and people, true, you know, true. Have four in their pockets and still take another one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I'm I'm still looking forward to to shot show. Regardless, I, I think there will be reduced attendance because of COVID and everything. And uh, that, honestly, that means that our job will be easier, uh, be less crowded, and and hopefully that means we can put out some better quality content. I'm I'm hopeful, slightly optimistic. I, I cross fingers hope. I mean, it might be one of those things where they say you got to have six foot, you know, social distancing, but I'm hopeful that we can do uh, on camera interviews and things like that on new products and with various companies uh, where we where we're allowed to, for, for the pr- production of media, be able to remove that mask. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Hopper, my just built an AR, but cannot find five, five, six anywhere. Where you been, bro? <laughs> that and we are all in the same boat on that one. Anyway, moving on to Matthew, tell us about the virtual gun rights conference. So this is the gun rights policy conference. It's been done every year now for 35 years. Of course, yeah. for the first time ever, it was done virtually. Uh, but cool thing with this is that this was the biggest one yet in terms of uh, I guess in this case, viewers or participants. Right. And that makes sense since, you know, you're going to naturally be able to uh, get more people to participate when they don't have to travel to sure. uh, wherever, you know, these, these typically are held. Like I think last year's was in, where was last year's? I was thinking no of like idea. Illinois or something. Chicago out in this area, but I can't but remember. Anyway, maybe um, it was a couple of years ago. That was Chicago. But anyway, yeah, it, well, you, you hit everything, you know, the, the highlights. Um, obviously, it was done online virtually. Um, over 300 gun rights activists across the country on multiple platforms um, watched uh, this this event. Uh, there were 120 speakers covering topics from state legislative affairs to the growing interest in firearms ownership by women. I mean, I don't want to beat the, the same drum, but that's been going on for a while now, right? 
Uh, gun ownership by women is a big thing, and it has been for several years, continuing to increase. So that's great. Um, they talk. Uh, a couple of attorneys were talking about some Second Amendment cases, uh, things like that. Uh, they had some journalists and talk show bloggers and all kinds of stuff um, there. So it was a good, good event. Um, the, the couple of the things they they you know, kind of uh, in the article they touched on and they said members of Congress and U.S. Senate made special appearances. And there were also presentations on the growth of gun ownership in the LBGTQ community. Um, so, you know, we're talking about new gun owners. We're talking about first time gun owners expanding um, the actual people that um, are gun owners. And, and it, you know, and it's not the typical I mean, I, I think and this isn't unique to this year. Um, but it's not, you know, what people think the only people with firearms are, you know, people driving around on a truck on a farm shooting at, you know, snakes and stuff like that. I mean, it's just that's what the, you know, your typical person thinks the only gun owner is is out in the country. And they don't realize that it's a huge, huge population of people that, you know, Sure, there's farmers and there's people that use it for hunting. There's people that use it for sporting, um, self defense. So it's a huge group, and and um, this this event kind of showed that yes, indeed, it is uh, a growing number of people from various backgrounds. So, mm-hmm. um, and I guess you can still access the videos and stuff on. I think it says Facebook and YouTube still have the videos up either partially or you can watch segments of it. And, so yeah. if you didn't go. Yep. Yeah. Well, this is this last weekend, which uh, I was teaching uh, classes all weekend. And then also uh, uh, come Monday, Tuesday, I was taking a, a class from Tim Heron. So I did not have the opportunity to participate, but I am going to go see and or try and see if I can uh, catch some of those uh, spe- speeches or whatever. Uh, uh, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, makes me wonder. I mean, there is something about doing events like this in person uh, and some things like SHOT Show, particularly where you're there to check out products and people really want to put hands on products. It's it's pretty much impossible to completely replace some events with virtual only events. Um, but, you know, things like this, it makes me wonder with, you know, if, if the new norm for our society is that we'll see more and more of this kind of thing that it's like, hey, you know what? We can, we can reach far more people and we can be more efficient uh, with accomplishing our mission or whatever it is as an organization. Uh, and I'm saying this generically about many kinds of organizations and various events that maybe we see more of this kind of stuff where it is just done virtually yeah. or we make a much bigger, uh, uh, you know, we make more effort to make things available more virtually. Maybe you still have the in-person thing going on, but you're able again to have more participation and more viewership or whatever by making a bigger priority, the the virtual production of things. Yeah. I mean, I think companies across the board, whether not just in, you know, gun industry, but across the board, I think are realizing that these seminars and things that they put on, um, you know, they're extremely expensive. Um, 
it traveling and putting people up in hotels and just all the logistics involved. And, you know, it's important. I think a lot of them, like you mentioned, networking is huge, right? So there are certain things that you can't get around if, if for networking purposes, but I think, um, I think in general, you're, you're exactly right. These, these ones that can be, vir, you know, virtualized or whatever you want to call it, um, you, it it's just going to go to that, you know, even, yeah. even without COVID, they're just going to say, Hey, it's so much more cost effective. We can do, we can get more, you know, more, uh, more speakers lined up and, and do it more. I, I just think it's, um, but uh, to your point, you know, there are going to be those things that you can't, you can't duplicate like networking, going, talking to people and introducing yourself and setting things up. Those, those types of things are so, you know, you never know what kind of um, relationships going to develop from just some dude that you bump into at X, Y, you know, seminar. And then yeah. years later, you're like, man, I can't believe what luck, you know? So. Yep. Uh, John here commenting that USCCA just put out the early bird registration for 2021. Mm. Um, I haven't actually seen that, but it doesn't surprise me. Uh, we, we will be in attendance as vendors and as their official media partner uh, for the event. At least I assume that's the case. I don't think anything's changed, uh, meaning the last uh, uh, two years. Let's see. Yeah, we did Louisville and we did uh, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Of course, we were supposed to do Kansas City in 2020, but that was canceled. Um, but uh you know, we've already been doing the virtual thing, Matthew, for quite some time, and I'd love to see an increase in viewership and participation from, from uh, you know, from from you know, folks at home watching uh, those videos that we've been doing for a couple of years now from the Concealed Carry Expo, where we do live interviews and broadcasting from the floor of the Concealed Carry Expo for for all three days of the show. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd like to get more word out on that and get, you know, those numbers up for sure. So, uh, all right, moving on to really quite a sad, uh, news story here, uh, from gunsamerica.com. Jake Gardner says here committed suicide after being accused of manslaughter in a self-defense case. Jake Gardner is, uh, kind of came to, you know, he, 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 he hit the news. Okay. Uh, people became aware of him. Um, he's actually a veteran, a uh, military veteran. I don't remember which branch he was in. Uh, in fact, it doesn't even say in the article, it just says that he served two tours in Iraq. Uh, it says that he suffered from traumatic brain injuries. And it, what happened was, uh, I think it was last year, actually, or maybe it was earlier this year. This man, James Gardner, was involved in a self-defense shooting that uh, happened in Omaha, Nebraska. It was earlier this year. In fact, it was tied to a Black Lives Matter riot. And what happened was that uh, he was uh, uh, confronted by a couple of men. Uh, he was being attacked. And in fact, it says that one of them jumped on the back and put him in a chokehold. And this, according to, this is according to a statement from his attorney. And, and so that was his case, but he was charged with manslaughter from this case for shooting uh, these men. And so, uh, unfortunately, uh, he, was, he was charged with manslaughter, as I said. Uh, I personally believe, based on at least the limited facts that I've seen on this case, I believe this is a case that 
I think he was going to win. I think he was going to be uh, acquitted of or charges of ult- ultimately would, would have been dropped uh, because, you know, it, it just it, it seems that this was likely a self-defense situation. Unfortunately, being charged with manslaughter and being told to turn himself in by September 20th, his attorney said he was, in fact, going to turn himself in. But on either the day before or the day of of him uh, being supposed to turning himself in to the police, uh, unfortunately, they found his body uh, outside a medical clinic in Oregon where he had committed suicide. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's... um, Makes me really sad, you know. I mean, number one, that he felt that that was the only thing that that I guess for whatever reason he felt like that was a solution to things and and the only way he could go. Because I know that's not the case. And Matthew, uh, as I'm sure you know, uh, and many other veterans that are our followers and listeners and viewers of this podcast that that are veterans uh, that have been there, have done that, maybe have struggled with similar things, or certainly have known fellow soldiers, airmen, sailors, and so forth uh, that uh, have struggled with various injuries, with PTSD, with depression, anxiety, and so forth. Um, this is a this is a big time issue, right? Yeah. I mean, th- this is one of now, you know, you got to know a little bit about the, the you know, his self-defense case, right? Um, the videos are out there and, and, you know, initially the case um, they said they came out and said it, it is unanimously um, decided on the investigators and the prosecutors that it was a self-defense case. You know, right. months later, um, new evidence came out. And during that time, they um, they had a grand jury and uh, presented the new evidence. And the new uh, special prosecutor came out and said basically that the evidence that they have uh, that the grand jury had made it a slam dunk case for manslaughter. Um, and there was some speculation that this, um, that Jake had uh, uh, racist intentions or tweets or something um, that was never corroborated. I don't know. And, and I don't know the guy. I don't know. We know what's in his heart anyways. Um, it, it, understanding that, um, you know, it looked on face value right? As a self-defense case, if you watch the video, if you watch, uh, the statements made, um, in the interviews, um, that they, that they release the information they release, it's, it, it looks like a self-defense case, unfortunately, because they were still process, you know, in, in a criminal investigation now with charges, they didn't release what the information, the, the extra evidence, the, the new evidence that came out. Yeah. And so it looked, it had the appearance of, Hey, we were pressured to charge this guy because of the political climate. And so then, you know, it fed into uh, that narrative. Right. And, and, and so, you know, Jake Gardner, you, you like you mentioned, he's a, he, he was in combat um, twice over there. Uh, you know, nobody comes back from being in combat once, twice, three times, whatever, uh, without some sort of, uh, you know, s- some issues. Right. And, uh, he, through the, con- through what I saw the interviews with him, he wasn't celebrating, uh, what happened. He was remorseful. I mean, he, 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 he didn't seem, um, it wasn't like he went out there looking for trouble, at least from what we know. Um, and he was in, he was in Oregon, um, because he was receiving death threats back in Omaha, where he was, uh, 
living. And so, you know, when he killed himself, he was out in Oregon because he, he you know, the, the story says that he was receiving death threats. So, you yeah. know, a lot of stuff going on with this guy um, and anybody who would be celebrating this as, you know, well, um, you know, this, this, this is uh this is justice or whatever. It's not, you know, it, we can't celebrate things like this. Let's, even if the guy was a, a full blown racist, right? Like I'm not saying that he is, and I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not condoning racism. I'm just saying we, we shouldn't celebrate anything like this because the guy was obviously troubled. Um, and you, you would hate to, you hate to see something go this way better that it goes through the court process. And we always say, you know, um, let the facts come out. And unfortunately I don't know if they'll ever release that extra evidence or what, but um, it's just a sad story. Really sad. It really is. It really is. I hope they do release uh, all things related to that case. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I hope that, you know, that he is vindicated in this case uh, so that, uh, you know, his family and those who care about him, uh, can lay him to rest yeah. uh, easy, you know, and, and not have that hanging over as part of his legacy, uh, those outstanding, uh, charges. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go now to, this is our, our big announcement that we kind of teased at the beginning of the episode. Uh, super excited. It's been in the works for several months. In fact, uh, some of you are, are probably aware uh, that we used to have a podcast as part of our, our network and all the episodes, as far as I know, are still out there and available. Uh, so you can, and, and there's really good content in that episode, in that, in that podcast, but a podcast called the law dog shooting sports podcast, uh, which was hosted by Chuck Ramsey and Brian Eastridge. Uh, Chuck Ramsey, a, a longtime radio host in the Oklahoma City area. He's also a police officer. He does a lot of like sports broadcasting. And he and Brian Eastridge, who's the founder of, well, he's also a, a police officer in, in the Oklahoma City area and also the one of the founders and owners of the EDC Belt Company, uh, with makers of the fine foundation belt, which I am wearing today, as I do every day. Uh, and uh, they teamed up and started the Law Dog Shooting Sports Podcast. Unfortunately, there were some things that, that kind of developed uh, there that made it uh, impossible to continue that show for both Chuck and Brian. And so Brian has now uh, gone out on his own and started the new Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast. So the On-Duty, Off, excuse me, Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast. Uh, which is kind of meant to sort of bring together and blend the two worlds of really just, you know, kind of concealed carry and police. Uh, It could reference law enforcement officers being on duty, but then also still, you know, carrying and being defensive minded off duty, but also reference the civilian aspect of, of, of this and, you know, and, and how that meshes and comes together with the world of law enforcement Lots of great topics and things being discussed on the off-duty, on-duty podcast. Uh, Brian uh, frequently has uh, Hanny Hanny McMood, uh, another law enforcement officer out of uh, Texas, uh, as a co-host on with him. And already they've interviewed, uh, well, I'll tell you one episode that is just fantastic. And I think you should go listen to, I mean, I think you should listen to all of them. Hmm. But I think it's the third or fourth episode uh, with uh, Brian Eastridge's dad. Yes, number four. Gary. Number four, yeah. I think so. 
Um, Gary Eastridge, a longtime law enforcement himself, also working various investigation roles, uh, both domestically and internationally, and sharing a lot of uh, a lot of wealth of experience and, and things. Uh, and in that episode, they talk about I think what they call the aftermath. Uh, sort of dealing with a lot of the stuff that comes after a self-defense shooting, uh, whether a, an officer involved one or a civilian one. Uh, and, and uh, these gentlemen uh, all have experience with having either investigated or responded to civilian shootings, uh, self-defense shootings, or have been involved in shootings themselves. So uh, just really fantastic uh, podcast. I would Certainly encourage you all to go check it out. Off-duty, on-duty podcast available in all the places you typically would find podcasts, uh, your typical podcast apps and players uh, on iTunes, Google Play, uh, uh, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, all over the place, guys. And you can also go to the website of the new podcast, which is www.offdutyonduty.com. Right on. Yeah. It sounds uh sounds like a good podcast. I haven't checked it out yet. I, I read some of the uh the uh titles but I yeah, I haven't I haven't uh listened yet, but from what I hear it's very good. Uh I, I you know, I had quite a bit of drive time uh this uh last weekend and, and of course Monday, Tuesday, like I said, uh going and taking this Tim Tim Heron uh uh practical performance class and uh the two ranges I was at for the five days I was out outdoors shooting and teaching and learning uh, are both about an hour and a half away from home. So, mm. so every day I had a total of three hours of drive time and I got through all the episodes nice. uh, made, made for a very enjoyable and a much quicker drive experience. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. So, yeah. Anyway, we're super excited to have Brian uh, continue on as a member uh, of our team, really. We, we consider him part of our family here at ConcealedCarry.com. And uh, this show is is considered as part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of shows. Uh, Concealed Carry podcasts, the uh, Firearm Trainers podcasts, and uh, we, we, of course, have the uh, Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast, which has been in a bit of a hiatus, and, and we hope to see that resume again here soon. Uh, but we're, we're thrilled to now add the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast. Right on. There you go. Now we get to the gear review portion of the show. And I don't know who went first last time, but uh, for some reason, I feel like I'm going to go first. Cool. Here we go. Uh, First of all, I've got here my SIG P320X compact carry, which I have a barrel block installed for those of you. So you know that... uh, I'm being safe here, but I am going to review the, uh, I'll actually switch my camera here. Uh, we'll make Matthew go away for a minute, but I'm reviewing the Filster floodlight holster. Uh, I, those of you that know me know that I've been a fan of Filster products for a long time and not too long ago reviewed the Filster pro holster, which is a fantastic holster. I still really, really like that holster, uh, particularly if you are looking for for something that doesn't, you know, that that doesn't. If you don't carry with a weapon mounted light, then the Filster Pro is a is a good option. It's a good choice. Uh, and in fact, the Filster Pro is only available for Glocks, your your typical Glocks, like your seven, your nine and forty uh, caliber Glocks, um, and also three twenties, and I. 
think MMPs. Uh, no, I don't think they're quite available for MMPs yet. Uh, the uh, 43, Glock 43, 43X, 48. And I know they've got a P365 slash P365XL model coming as well, hopefully soon. But anyway, that's the one downside with some of those types of holsters is that they're very model specific. And that's a good thing in that a, gu- a holster that's de- designed specifically for a particular gun typically means it fits the gun very well and has good retention and all that kind of stuff. Enter the Filster Floodlight, which is, it's been around for a little while, uh, probably two years, I think. And I'm finally, I mean, I've been familiar with it. I, I know, I already knew it was a great holster based on uh, recommendations of close friends that I trust that, that I know wouldn't, you know, wouldn't feed me a bunch of baloney on something like this. But I finally said, you know, I've got to stop dragging my feet on this one, I got to pick up a Filster Floodlight. Uh, Filster Floodlight's available for TLR1 weapon mount lights and X300U, or really we could just think of it as the TLR1 series and the X300 series, because whether you've got the, the older models, the, you know, the U models in the case of X300 or the newer HL models in the case of TLR1, uh, they're all basically the same body, size, shape, all that. Here's the cool thing about the Filster Floodlight. It doesn't matter what gun you use. If you can put one of these lights on it, okay, so I'm using the TLR1HL, okay, then the holster will accept virtually any semi-automatic firearm with a few limited exceptions. So whether it's, I, I, in fact, it would be really cool uh, if it was more practical for me to do so on the podcast. I could take this out, take the light off, stick it on a Glock, you'd see it would go right into the holster. I could stick it on a different type of SIG with a different shape. It would go right in the holster. I could put it on an MMP. I could put it on a FN. I could put it on all kinds of stuff. Again, if I can mount the TLR1 to the gun, then it will. chances are it will fit this holster because the holster is designed to bear off of the light. So the light is what provides the, the actual retention and the fitment. And then through a use of, the use of a, of a clever elastic band design. I mean, these, this is a, you know, I say band, it's, it's really like paracord, elastic paracord, if you will, uh, it allows the upper part of the holster where the slide goes to kind of either f- exp- expand or contract so that you get a little bit better fit around the gun, depending on the specific, uh, width or, or height of the slide of, of the gun. And, but the retention again, and you have some retention adjustment screws so you can adjust the retention as necessary based again around the light that you have mounted to the gun. I've been wearing this for about the last month now. So I really, really, really like it. So I, I am basically all on board with carrying a weapon mount of light every day now because why not? Super comfortable, guys. I've been very impressed with the holster. I mean, it is it is pretty big, okay, but it is well-designed, and that's the thing. John Houtman over there at uh, Filster really is a genius where it comes to holster design. He knows how to cut things, shape things, form things in a manner that maximizes comfort, makes concealment excellent, and all for a very high quality, reasonably priced product. I, I'm really a big fan of the Filster Floodlight. All right. And I know that John's got some some more things coming from Filster, and I can't wait to see what else he's got going. In fact, speaking of which, recently he released what he calls the Ascent pouches, and these are uh, mag pouches for uh, 
that are basically universal fit for, you know, I got SIG mags in this one uh, or a spare SIG mag, uh, 320 mag. Uh, a Glock would fit in this equally well. And it's a very clever, it's basically a soft-sided uh, mag pouch, but it's got a kind of a carbon fiber or something or other, you know, material on the outside that reinforces it, that makes sure that it stays open so that it's easy to pull out your spare mag and also reinsert it, even though it's inside the waistband. And this has outside and inside waistband uh, setup options. So really cool stuff coming from Filster, but I highly recommend if you're interested in carrying a weapon-mounted light on your pistol, you might give the floodlight a look, particularly if you have an oddball pistol that you have a hard time finding holsters for, or if you want to have a holster that you want to use with a variety of different guns where all you got to do is swap the light back and forth or have multiple lights or whatever. Um, really cool way of going. So, and that's kind of what I intend on doing. I, I'm, I'm waiting on a upgraded gun to come back from gray guns, a SIG pro 2022 uh, that doesn't have a lot of holster options for, but it'll, it, I might carry it every once in a while on this one. So really excited for that. I am carrying appendix, John. John asking here about appendix. It is more optimized for appendix carry. So let's be clear on that. Uh, I think you could probably get away with carrying this elsewhere, but I don't know how that would work. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's best for for appendix carry. One final note too. You guys, many of you probably know that I typically would add like a wedge or something to an appendix holster. I have found with this holster, I don't need a wedge. Uh, so that's that's cool. Uh, hmm. So there Good you deal. go. That's yeah, I've been actually I've been actually thinking about that. I have that Type B, and there's not a lot of holsters out there for the the Type B. And I was thinking of trying that out. So I'll let you know if I do. Kind of might twist my arm to do it now. Yep. Cool. Yep. Good deal. Awesome. All you right. Got and so um, I just did a review on this. Uh, I think it published a couple days ago, but uh, about a year ago, I did a review of from Vara or Verisafe safety um, on their reach. Um, it's kind of a holster um, and safe combination, half holster, half safe. So it's a, it's a gun specific uh, uh, holster shell and it locks into this device. And so basically um, it's secure. So you would mount this to your a piece of furniture, uh, side of your bed, up on a, a shelf or something like that. And your gun is accessible. Well, um, the original reach device, um, some people said, well, you know, I'm not a fan of RFID or uh, of uh, biometric fingerprint scanners uh, for my safes. And, um, you know, the, the battery backup isn't it's designed to be plugged in, but there was a, like a four hour battery backup. Um, and they were like, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan. Well, uh, Vara safety came out with the reach two, and this is what I have here. And so basically they increased or they, they juiced up the guts inside here. So the, uh, fingerprint scanner unlocks quicker. It reads faster. Um, it, uh, is equipped with RFID. So you can use, um, there's a little RFID kit that you can purchase and, uh, have it here. Uh, it comes with a, wristband that you can wear the silicone wristband it unlocks um there is like a key fob type thing that will unlock it and a couple of stickers so all this rfid stuff doesn't need batteries so you could stick this sticker on you know a little device or a little 
you know, statue that's sitting on your desk. Uh, if the gun's mounted there, you, you, you know, you put it over top of the, the device and it, it would unlock it. So it's pretty cool, but it's super fast to, um, to unlock. I was getting on, uh, basically, uh, about 0.3 seconds, uh, to unlock the gun each time, um, which was quicker than the original safe, which was about a half a second. But, uh, the cool thing I did in the video, and I don't want to, I, I guess I'll spill the beans in the video, um, because a lot of people were saying, well, what if my hands are dirty? What if they're wet? And will a fingerprint scanner still read my finger? So what I did was I, I, I put some chalk on my fingers and got them really, really um, chalky. And I did a series of fingerprint uh, scans and it worked flawlessly. So um, even with, you know, there's a lot of fingerprint dust in there. I went right on top of it. It still read it same uh, speed, same consistency. Um, and so that was really good moisture wasn't a problem. So if my hands, I, I, you know, I got it wet and it was a little moist, still unlocked. Now, obviously I, I kind of pushed it and I got my hand, like dipped it in some water and put it on there. And this little fingerprint reader, uh, right here was almost filled up with water kind of, and obviously it couldn't read my fingerprint through there, but you know, and unless you just came out of the shower, you're washing your hands and then grab your gun. Um, a little bit of moisture on your hands, not going to be a problem. If you're sweating, not going to be a problem. If your hands are a little bit dirty, not going to be a problem. Um, so I was really cool. I was really excited. This actually has, uh, I believe it's a uh, four or six month battery backup. I can't remember, but they, I mean, it's months now compared to, uh, uh, you know, several hours. So battery backup still designed to be plugged in. Um, but the reach to, they really, really hit, um, I think all those, you know, kind of, uh, concerns that people had the redundancy in, in being able to unlock it in different ways. And, uh, I think that you'll be really surprised, uh, if you get it, it's, um, and, and like I said, it's the same thing. The, 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 the thing looks the same. So if you have the original and you have a gun specific, uh, holster shell, you can use it with this. If you bought like their car mount adapter kit and all that, so you can mount this in the car that will still work. So really, um, it's the same thing, except it's just a little bit improved with the fingerprint, uh, scanner, the RFID and a longer battery, but uh, really cool Vara safety reach to, I would check it out uh, if you're interested because it does allow you to access the gun quicker because the gun is in your hand as you access it. So you don't have to reach into a vault. So as soon as, you know, the gun unlocks, uh, it's in your hand. So um, pretty cool. Uh, I like it. And uh, yeah, you might want to check it out. Varasafety.com. Yeah, you know, when we talk about the merging of firearms and technology, uh, that looks like a solution for quick access, you know, storage device, I think looks really good. I think it's a really promising product um, compared to some other things, too, I've seen from other manufacturers. I, I think it looks like a winner. Yep. So, cool. Right on, man. Thanks for checking out the RS Safety Reach mm -hmm. 2. Yeah, cool. Uh, cool. All right. Well, that kind of brings us to the conclusion of today's episode. I appreciate everyone for being along for the ride with us. Uh, we had a good time, talked about some, some on, ongoings or goings on in the industry and a couple of products, a little bit of review. So thanks for, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks guys. Don't forget that today's episode brought to you by the new ready up gear messenger bag and the 
It doesn't come with it, but it's an accompanying product, meaning that it works really well to go along with it. And that is the Ready Up Gear bag holster. Uh, just attaches with Velcro right inside the uh, pocket of the Ready Up Gear messenger bag. Head on over to concealedcarry.com forward slash messenger bag for bag and concealedcarry.com forward slash bag holster for the holster product. Uh, reasonably priced products. Uh, I think they're pretty well made, good quality. And yeah, there you go. I mean, that's all I got about that. Don't forget to check out the new Off Duty On Duty podcast. Head on over to offdutyonduty.com to learn more and find out where you can listen. And so we're going to let you go. Everybody have a great weekend. Take care. Be safe out there. Matthew, last words. Stay safe, guys and gals. So with that reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, y'all. We'll see you. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.